Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. You are listening to a message from our Wednesday night service. I want to talk to you tonight about, this is what the Lord spoke to me in the pool. God remembered. And I, I want to just, I really want to encourage you today. Like I, more than ever, like sometimes I, I don't feel as encouraging. But, but I really want, like sometimes I just want to come and challenge people. And, and just shoot demons like out of the sky. But today I really, like I really want to really encourage you and remind you that we do not serve a crazy old senile God who forgets us. Um, I just want to say that because when you grow up in religion, sometimes you grow up with the flyswatter God who cannot wait to catch you misbehaving so that he can punish you or shame you. That is the opposite God. That's actually not God. That's the devil. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, is a God who is looking behind closed doors to see you doing something good privately with the sole intention of rewarding you publicly. And sometimes the reward is material things, sometimes it's blessings, sometimes it's favor, sometimes it's relationships, but sometimes it has nothing to do with that. Sometimes the reward is actually Him. Where, where he stands for you and with you publicly because you've been with him privately. And, and then people can see that there's something on your life, there's something different. I, I have a story which I'm not going to tell you tonight, but it happened to me in the pool. These people just come up to me and, and start sharing, just, you know. And uh, so, but that's him, that's not me, it's him. So God remembered. So we're going we're gonna to see this phrase a few times. And uh, the scriptures call us to remembrance. So this is a biblical principle of the children of Israel before they crossed over the land. Remember there was the 12 the memorial stones. And if you go into the New Covenant, the New Testament, um, Cornelius, who is the Italian band, he, his prayers and his alms had came up before God as a memorial. So what I want to explain to you is this, that have you ever had something in your mind, but you, it's like, it's there in the back, but you forgot about it. Maybe someone told you something, maybe even God spoke to you something, and it's like you, you can't find it, but you know it's there somewhere. And all of a sudden, the grace of God brings it to the forefront of your mind. So I'm going to give you like a word picture so that you can kind of relate this to that. Let's just say you're hungry and, and you're on a road trip, and you know you 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 stop at uh, what are those called rest stops? You stop at a rest stop, and you know you're excited. You're getting ready to go get some Starbucks, some food, and and all of a sudden, you have to go to the bathroom. Are you with me? Number two, like Taco Bell is catching up to you from last night, and so now all of a sudden. To the forefront of your mind comes 
bathroom happened to me the other day in the TSA line. I'm like, I gotta go, I'll be back. I was like, I'm not gonna, you know. And, and so, so you have something that you're doing and it's real, like you, you stop to get Starbucks, you stop to eat, but all of a sudden you now remember, oh snap, I've gotta go to the bathroom. And so what happens is, what was, what was something that you knew needed to happen comes to the forefront, right? Watch this but so that you act on it. This is, this is, this is what's going to happen with God. God doesn't forget stuff, right? But what happens is there are certain things that happen or that people do where they position themselves correctly so that God can then act on their behalf. Are you, are you, are you with me? All right. So now, in Genesis 8, this is the first place you see God remembered. And where is it? Noah is in the ark. Remember that? No one took Noah seriously until it began to rain. Here's what I've learned. People will not take you seriously until they have to. I've had people, friends, board members come and say, I'm sorry, I didn't really take you seriously. So here's what I would say. Don't worry about how people are taking you or perceiving you. Just be faithful to do what you're supposed to do. Never mind how he feels about me. That doesn't pay my bills, right? So just do what it is you're supposed to be doing and people will have to take you seriously, even if they don't like you, or even if they love you, they will have to take you seriously. So this is Genesis 8, 1. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing, the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the water subsided, the fountains of the deep, and the windows of heaven were also stopped. So what's happening here is... God now remembers that Noah was faithful, that Noah was faithful in his generation, and he did what God called him to do. The book of Hebrews says that Noah's faith condemned the world. Faith always condemns unbelief. That's why people, when, when, you, when you operate in faith, people get a little, they, they don't, it, it jostles them. And they say, well, why you got to help Africa? Or why do you got to do this? Or what happens is your faith is exposing their unbelief. Or your faith in the provision of God is unmasking the orphan spirit in them. And it, yeah, it, it kind of ruffles the feathers of the flesh. So Noah's faith condemned the world. Now, he wasn't trying to be condemning. He wasn't trying to be a jerk, but that, that's naturally what faith does. So Noah builds this ark. It has never rained before. This is the thing. God is always out ahead of stuff if we're paying attention. If we're, if we are, um, I did, I did, I'll give you an example. God told me something years ago. If I would have listened to him, I would have had maybe like $28,000 of cash just sitting around right now because I missed an opportunity 
And I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't pay attention. So one not paying attention, just one, cost me like $28,000. I don't know about you, but I learned very expensive lessons because I'm very, okay? Maybe that, maybe you've learned a bigger lesson, but for me, $28,000 is a lesson I'm not willing to learn again. <laughs> so, so, but if you pay attention, if you pay attention, I can tell you, God is always out in front of stuff. He's always out in front of stuff. And so it has never rained before, and God says, build an ark. Build an ark. It's never rained before. Build an ark. And they mocked him, and they thought he was crazy until it rained. This is the thing. The best thing that you can do is put your head down and do what God called you to do. Never mind being seen, being known, being celebrated, being liked, being... Just do what God has asked you because there's favor in that. So now God remembered Noah and all of the living creatures and then God acts on behalf of his promise and God stops the wind, stops the rain and he sends a wind to dry stuff up so that eventually they can get off of that boat. So when God remembers someone, it's because he intends to act on their behalf and bring them forward in the plans that he has for them. Are you with me? So this is, this is important. So then the next time you see it is in the same chapter where God talks about, uh, excuse me, he builds, excuse me, he establishes a covenant and it's a sign. Do you know what that covenant is? It's a rainbow. It's not, it doesn't have six colors. It's not a twisted or distorted rainbow. It is a real rainbow and it is a token of covenant and it's a sign. It's a sign of the covenant that God made. What, is the, what does the counterfeit rainbow represent? Pride and lust, which is the opposite of covenant. Covenant is love and patience. The opposite. The total opposite. Now, where is the origin of the rainbow? Well, if you look at Revelation 4-5 and Revelation 5-6, in Revelation 4-5 there are seven lamps around the throne of God, and those seven lamps release light and there's an emerald rainbow around the throne of God and that stands for the seven spirits of God which is the fullness of God's spirit the completion and the totality of the Holy Spirit and it is it is seen in the vision by John as seven lamps burning with an emerald rainbow because lamps produce light right are, are you guys with me even I know that. And so that's where, that is the origin of the rainbow, which is a token of covenant. And God says that through looking at that, I put that in the sky, I will remember my covenant. Remember, God remembers. God, he put that up there 
so that not only we remember, so that he remembers. See, you know, you know what makes people close? What makes us close, the people in here that become close, are people who are joined together through mutual experiences that produce mutual understandings. That's how you get close. You don't get close back here. You get close pressing. I got close to my pastor, taking him to JFK. You, you, you don't get close if you don't press. If you, so, you know, that's how you got your wife or your husband or whoever it is you're with. You, you wanted to press up in there and, and keep, you know, that's how you, that's how you get children, pressing in and pressing up and stuff like that. And stuff like, you know, so anyway, so there's that. All right, now I'm going to continue here because we have also in Genesis 19. Now, this is really a crazy one. This, I think, might be my favorite one here because this shows me something uh, that, that it, who you are connected to matters. The, the, the relationships that you have in the kingdom of God will either bring blessing into your life or not. Now, let me explain one thing to you. We have time to minister to anyone and everyone. <laughs> That's like, you know, you build an ark, two of everything going to come walking in. <laughs> it's like, you know, so, so yeah, we have time for, for all that. But I do not have space in my life for people where there is not a mutual blessing. The people who I minister to are not the same people who were invited into my life. Even in the life of Jesus, the only people that ever went to Jesus' house were people on Jesus' team. If you're not in my team, you don't belong in my house. Amen. People don't like that, but I have always been a person that I am about something. If, I, if you are not about that, then there's only so much... <laughs> We can do because whatever it is that I'm about, I'm actually about that. I just want to encourage you with that. So now in Genesis 19, now this one is really something. This is, we know, we know this is about Sodom. Remember that? Now, it's like Sodom, is, Sodom and Gomorrah was a place that always gets misrepresented. And people think, oh, God, you don't judge them because they were gay. Well, no. There was two reasons why they were judged. The first reason is in Ezekiel. It says that they neglected the poor. The second reason is that they were grossly perverse. They actually wanted to sleep with angels. Okay? So now there is a connection to this. I want to show you the connection. It's not one or the other, it's both. Anytime you don't love and care for people, you exploit them. And anytime you don't assume your responsibility to love and care for people, you will use them. So when you neglect your responsibility and you don't follow your vocation, then instead of being a blessing and being a help, they are people who you can exploit. And, and this, is, this happens all over the world, and it's happening in America. America is the number one 
hub where traffic people wind up. You ask yourself, why? Because of the gross amount of perversion in America. Because there is a demand, the supply is met. This is the thing. Now, let me explain something to you. The, the further the distance between the rich and the poor, the more space there is in a society for exploitation. Okay? So, in all of the whole world, the furthest distance between the rich and the poor, it's not in Africa, it's not even in the Middle East. It's actually in the Caribbean region, which is an area known for pervasive perversion. And you can feel it in the environment. Because the distance from the rich to the poor is the greatest. So you got a guy, Bill. Bill has a 200-foot yacht. He came from the Bahamas. And Bill likes little boys. And right behind the yacht, 300 feet, is a little shack. And in the little shack, there's a little 12-year-old girl and a 13-year-old boy. And Bill is happy to pay for them. And their parents or uncle or brother will deliver them to Bill's yacht. And that is the story. So I hate to tell you such a terrible story, but that is the stone cold reality. And so the greater the distance between the rich and the poor, the more people can get exploited and the easier it is to exploit people. Most people don't wake up and go, oh, I'd like to be a hooker tomorrow. That's not how it happens. What happens is when people are too vulnerable, it's easy for them to be exploited. Now, I want to say that to you too. If you are too vulnerable emotionally, if you are too vulnerable with your mouth telling people stuff who have no right to know that, if you are what I call a social nudist, what is a social nudist? A social nudist is as soon as someone you meet someone, they get naked with their mouth and they tell you their whole life in three minutes. Well, if you do that, then you're telling people stuff that is not their business to know. And you are overly vulnerable and people can use that against you, which is not wise. You have to be careful who you share stuff with. So anyway, Sodom and Gomorrah was very depraved and so God sent, you know, angels or whatever to go and to check it out because God does not make second-hand opinions. Don't form second-hand opinions of people. You form an opinion of someone based on... So God shows up, <laughs> looks around, he's like, yeah, they want to bang the angels. Like, this is, this is a sick group, you know. We got to destroy this place. I mean, this is bad. This is crazy. I mean, it's like God, God sends people to check the scene out and they want to, like, sleep with them. It's like, whoa, like, you guys are as sick as what I heard about you. And so, anyway... <laughs> yeah, yeah, the fact checkers have found out that you are sick. <laughs> so anyway, now, you know the story. Um, let, let me just, I want to share, there's something from the story. This is 14, let me, this is 1914. Uh, let me try to move this along here. Uh, so Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-law who married his daughters and said, get up out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But his son-in-laws seemed 
to be joking. He, he, so to them, watch this, it seemed as if he was joking. You know what it cost them? Their life. If you don't learn who to listen to and when, it costs you your life. There are some people, their life has been on delay because they have not listened to what has came before them. And they're stuck. Round and round, because they haven't heard or heeded the warning. So this, these guys didn't take seriously a message and it cost them their life. There's going to be collateral damage because not only is Lot going to lose son-in-laws, he's also going to lose his wife. And in losing his wife, he, get, he puts his daughters in a bad position and two wicked people groups come from his daughters. Which is a whole nother story, but this is what happens. You, if you are overly vulnerable, you position yourself to be exploited. When you get overly desperate, I'm lonely, I'm lonely, I'm lonely. Okay, well, well don't date an idiot because you're lonely. Don't, don't, don't settle because you're desperate. That's not, okay. So, when morning had dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters uh, who are here, uh, lest you be consumed in the punishment of this city. Now, we're going to see in a few minutes why Lot was spared. This is a fascinating passage to me. Very interesting. Uh, anyway, and while he lingered with his men, he told his wife, uh, his wife's hand and the hands of the two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass, when they had brought him out to escape for your life, they said, do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in this plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. So Lot is going, no, I don't want to go to the mountains. I'm a city guy. I'm a city slicker. I like the city. I like urban city. <laughs> this is New Jersey version here. <laughs> it's like, did the Bible say that? No. He's, you know. But he's, he's, he's bartering now. He's negotiating with the angels because he doesn't want to go to mountains. He wants to go to the city. So the angels are like, whatever, bro. Just fine. No problem. Good. <laughs> it's like, get out of here. So he, so he goes. But this is the thing. Watch, I'm going to skip up so that we can get to what we got to get to. Then the sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zor. So God was not going to judge the city until he got out. Then the Lord rained fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Divine judgment. God is a judge. God did not send them an apology letter and an I'm sorry email and I had a change of heart. He judged them. There comes a time when 
you can be turned over to what it is you chose. Okay. But his wife looked back. And she became a pillar of Saul. Now, in Luke 17, Jesus interprets her look back, which we're going to look forward to in a minute. Because the Bible interprets the Bible. You heard that the last two weeks by the seasoned men of God. I'm here to tell you the same thing. The Bible interprets the Bible, right? We don't need more of my opinions or your opinions. We need more of the Bible. So, Lot loses two sons-in-law because they didn't heed the warning. They didn't take the word seriously. Now, his wife is walking in disobedience and she turns to a pillar of salt. For all the married people, let me say something to you. You are not going to stand before God for your wife. And your wife is not going to stand before God for you. Remember Jesus said, I came to bring a sword? Bless you. That's the sword right there. The sword of separation. And what, 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 what releases the sword? Obedience or disobedience? He told her, do not look back. She looked back. Now, we're going to get into the look back because Jesus interprets the look back. And I'm gonna, I want you to hear that. But before that, listen to this in verse. I'm going to read 27, 28, 29. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward the plain. And he saw, and behold, the smoke of that land went up like a smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the city of the plain that God remembered Abraham. Watch this. Comma. <laughs> and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. God remembered Abraham and in remembering Abraham he spared Lot. Who you're connected to matters. When you say, oh, I don't need nobody, I don't need this and that, I do it on my own. Yeah, watch out, Lot. Watch out. God spared Lot, not for Lot. God didn't even spare Lot's wife for Lot. God spared Lot for Abraham, his friend. No, no, no. Wait a second. Not everybody is God's friend. Not everybody is cool with God. Have you ever seen someone, they try to be cool with you, but you know that they're not cool with you? And you know they don't even like you. And so you, as a, since you're a Christian now, you're not like, yo, get out of my face. Now you're like, you give them a little smile, but you know... Not everybody is God's friend. 
But Abraham is God's friend. And God says, I'll watch out for your friend because you're my friend. So the associations that we keep that are kingdom are important. There are people that I have friends with that they are so solid that if you're his friend, you're okay. If you're Abner's friend, you're all right. <laughs> because he'll look at you and start asking questions and, and there'll be something, whatever's wrong with you, he'll see it. Because people who walk in purity can see. So now, this is powerful. Look at how Lot was spared for Abraham. That's powerful. To me, that, that's like, God, I want to be your friend. I don't care who likes me, doesn't like me. I want to be your friend. That's, like, that's, that's it. What do you want to do? I want to be God's friend. I want God to say, <laughs> you know, like, that's it, you know. All right. Now, I'm going to jump up and I'm going to jump back for you. But in Luke 17, look at how God interprets Lot's wife's behavior. And wait till you see the word. <laughs> wait till you see the little word that God uses. Really something else. Where are we? Okay. It starts with the Pharisees. Now when he was, this is verse 20, Luke 17. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here, see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. So, we're always looking out here. God is saying, I want to move in here. We're always looking out there. God is saying, the work is in here. We say, God, I want to do this. God says, no, no, I want to work on you. <laughs> right? We got to do something. We God says, yeah, I got to do something with you. <laughs> so anyway, all right, verse 22. Then he said to the disciples, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. Then they will say to you, Look here and look there. Do not go after or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part of, uh, under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. Listen to this. But... First, he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. Uh-oh! They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on that day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. So it's talking about the coming of the Lord, but it's speaking in the suddenly, like you cannot predict it in the sense of you will not know, but it will come. But wait, I want you to just, because we're thinking of, we're not thinking of the right coming of the Lord when we think of this, that's the first problem. But that's another story. So, uh, now, 
in that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Now, if you've ever been in a really tragic situation, you know the reality of this verse. For example, I'm sleeping, it's 4.30 in the afternoon, I'm in Haiti, I, I'm having a nap because I just ate too much and it's too hot, and all of a sudden we pass out, and I hear, <clears throat> and I look up, and I see a cinder block wall split like I would rip a piece of paper. The last thing on God's green earth I'm thinking about is let me get my watch, let me get my laptop, let me get my bag. I pop out of that bed so fast, you, you'd have thought I was Bruce Lee. I popped out of that bed with a vengeance, and I began to run through a house that was collapsing. So the last thing in the world that I was thinking about is material possessions. I got to get my bag. I got to get my passport. I was like, I got to get out of here or I'm going to die. And I got to go get Christina or Steve is going to kill me. <laughs> So I ran and I got Christina while the house is crumbling. And we got out of the house. So, so anytime you, know, you go through something suddenly like this, the last thing that you're going to be thinking of is your stuff. You're going to be thinking about your life. Okay? Yeah, so anyway. Now, back to the story. So in verse 32, listen to this. Remember... Oh, Lot's wife. Wait a second. Jesus, who is God, is telling us, remember Lot's wife. This is not the most positive example. This is not like, remember King David, he killed Goliath. Yeah! This is like, no! <laughs> like, she gets turned to a pillar of salt in public. Like, remember Lot's wife. Like, it's like, that could trigger some, you know, some stuff there. Remember Lot's wife. Now watch him interpret her action. Watch this. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. This is how he interpreted the look back. The desire to save what God is done with. The desire to salvage something God is destroying. So Jesus interprets... The look back as... She's seeking to save her life, and she lost it. Instead of running up out of there like, dear God, thank you for your mercy, she... Now, sometimes we don't think of the repercussions of our actions. So the first thing is, Mr. Lot now lost a wife. So that's, that's painful. Now, the daughters are concerned about the father and the family name and their dumb husbands are dead. They just got singed to death. And so they get their dad drunk 
and they sleep with their dad. He was so drunk, he didn't even know it was his daughter. That's really, really, really drunk. I don't even know how you can have sex that drunk, to be honest. But that's what happened. It's like, that's really drunk. And, and so anyway, and, those, and from, those, from, that, from those two daughters, two messed up people groups come forth and they're trouble and they give hell to Israel and Israel has to fight them later. So whatever is produced by lust and fear, you'll have to fight it later. They assume the responsibility that was not theirs. So that soulish compassion, I feel bad, and you have to do something about something that's not your problem, stop that. Don't do that. Not everything is your responsibility. Don't assume responsibility for something you're not responsible for. This is what I've learned. If I waste energy and time on people who don't respond to me, the people that I'm responsible for, I don't have time for. Because I'm chasing people who are not interested. And I'm not here to chase anyone. The only person I'm chasing is Jesus. I'm not, I'm not chasing people. So anyway, this is really something. So let, let's continue here with this. Um, remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. So this is so crazy because this is like the opposite of... The world, the world is like, you know, hold on to your life, you win it, you'll be, you know, you, you'll make it. You know, it's like, Jesus is like, the key to making it is not making it, and you'll really make it. That's like, wow, this is amazing. It's like, so you're saying, if you scatter my bread, I'm going to get more bread. It's like, that's what I'm saying. All right, great. Poof, like, let's try this out. You know, this works. And, you know, people, can I just say something to you? Do you know people are miserable? I just came from Dubai. People are miserable. One time the Lord said, that's one of the poorest cities in the world. He doesn't see things as we see them. I had a guy tell me, Germans, they come up to me out of nowhere, and, and they said, I was miserable. I wanted to jump off a cliff. I've got money. I'm unhappy. I've got... Anyway. Okay, I tell you that uh, in one night, there will be two men in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women in grinding together. It's the mill. The one will be taken, the other left. Two men in the field. One will be taken, the other one left. I just want to say something to you. You do not want to be the one taken. <laughs> like, if you ever read Matthew 13, it's perfectly clear that the angels come and gather the wicked. You don't want to be taken. If, if, you know, let's say there's a problem, right? And the police come. Guess who the police are taking away? The problem. If they're just. So you, you don't want to be the one taken. So this, this whole passage is actually speaking about the coming of the Lord. And it's about the judgment of Israel that's going to come from Rome. And, and did you know that in 70 AD, about a million people were taken captive? It's a whole other thing. Now, let me give you one or two more real quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this quick. I'm not, I'm not going to hostage you. Genesis 30, uh, 22. This is about Rachel. Jacob is making all these babies. 
Remember, he gets Leia. He doesn't really want Leia. He wants Rachel. He has to work 10 whole years for that woman. He must have really wanted that woman because that's a lot of work. I don't know. That's a whole other thing. So anyway, Leia's popping out babies, but he wants Rachel. It's like Jerry Springer. You know, and, and you know, Rachel's crying and stuff. She's in her feelings. She's like, I don't got no kids. You know, I got this reproach. Because in the old days, it was like, you don't got any children. It's like, if you got no money today. Like, it sucks. You know, so it's like, she's upset about it. And this is what it says in Genesis 30, 22. Then, then God remembered Rachel. And God listened to her and opened her womb. Every time God remembers someone, what God does is he brings them forward in the purposes that he has for them. So God brought Noah out of the boat, right? Are you guys with me? God remembered Abram, Abraham, and God brought Lot out, right? God remembered Rachel, and God brought forth, guess who? Joseph. So the desire that she had for a son was bigger than her. Sometimes you have a natural desire for something that's bigger than you. Sometimes you have in your mind, I want to go here, I've got to do this, and you don't even know what the heck you're doing, but there's actually eternal purpose in something that seems like it has no value, like it's just nothing. But God is involved in the details of our life, and God wants to be intimately acquainted with all of our life, and God doesn't want to be you know, segregated or subjugated to Sunday, Wednesday, you know, 15 minutes in the morning. Like God wants to do banking with you and gym with you and life with you and relationship with you. And he wants to actually be present in your job so that you can actually bear witness of him. God wants to do pool with you and shopping with you and God wants to do life with you. Okay? Now, 30, 22, then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. She called his name Joseph. And the Lord shall add to me another son. So she gets another son. All right. Another one, Samuel. But before Samuel, Exodus 2. The cry and the groan of the children of Israel come up before the Lord in their slavery. Their groan. Their groan triggers God's memory. <laughs> Listen to this. Now it happened in the process of time, this is verse 23, that the king of Egypt died, the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up before God because of their bondage. Some people will only cry out to God because of bondage. I've always thought about, what will it take someone to wholeheartedly cry out to God from their guts? 
from their guts, not from, you know, like some people sing, they sing from their head. But when you really worship, you sing from your guts. You, you, you feel like, I've, I've cried so bad that I thought I'd do an ab workout, then I look at myself and I go, that's not an ab workout, that's just pain. And, and so that's, that is really something to really cry out from your guts, from, from the depths of you. And, and so they cry because of their bondage. I always look at something in someone in situations and I go, what will it take for that person to wake up? And sometimes, you know, you don't even want to say it because it's like, it's either a miracle or a tragedy. Because I don't. If I was in that situation, if that was me, I got a strategy. I'd lay on the floor until my ribs hurt. <laughs> because, I mean, you got a situation that you are refusing to see. You don't want to see it. And if someone doesn't want to see it, there's nothing you can say to them. So then you ask yourself, my God, what will it take for this person to wake up? And, and it's either a revelation a miracle or a tragedy? I hate to say it. Okay, 24. So God heard their groan and God remembered his covenant. There it is. With Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God, it says, acknowledged them. <laughs> Scripture says that in, in the psalmist wrote, you have known my soul in adversity. In adversity, God looks in someone, looks aside them and goes, I acknowledge you. I see what, I see what you're going through and it's coming to the forefront of my mind and I'm going to act on it and things are going to shift and that's that's what I came to I really just want to remind you and to encourage you that God has not forgot about you that God is going to act on your behalf that God is going to bring things forward you know something one of the things I realized that we say this, and sometimes you say things, and you don't even know what the heck you're saying. You just say stuff, and you don't even know what you're doing. Do you know that when we walk into the most God-forsaken, devastated places in the world, you know one of the first things that continually pops out of my mouth? God has not forgot about you. I'm thinking in my head, man, that's really biblical. Where did I get that from? I mean, th this, is, this is the thing. God wants you to know that he remembers you. Now, this is very important because here's why. If, if, if you feel forgotten, I'm going to send it to you. If you feel forgotten, you will not live powerfully. You, 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 if you feel as if it's hopeless and God is overlooking you and, and there's not going to be a reward and you're done, you will not be faithful. If you don't really believe that God will show up for you, you won't really show up for others. 
How can I tell you that God will provide and God will do this if I don't see it in my own life? How can I say that? I can only comfort someone to the degree that I've been comforted. In the spirit, the spirit is not visa. Visa, you can pretend like you're big. Swiping and, and, and then, you know, they come. They come to the ATM. The gorillas come to the ATM like, yeah, 28% sun. Boom! Over the head. And your little sneakers are falling apart already. And, and you're losing. You, the spirit is not like Visa. In the spirit, you can only give what you have. There's no, there's no credit. So anyway, when you are doing what God has commanded you to do, you are in position for God to act on your behalf. So the question is not, will God act? The question is, are you in position? Noah built the thing. He did his thing. The children of Israel, they took their pain to the Lord. Rachel, what did she do? She, she, she cried out to the Lord. She's in position. She, she's, and that is important for our lives so that God can bring us forward. Now, I want to just remind you of one thing. I went back to go forward. If you read, have you ever read Hebrews 11? I mean, the faith, the hall of faith, you know, whatever you want to call it, a cute name. Hebrews 11, have you ever read the story of some of those people? Paul says the scripture is written for our admonition. You know what that means? Learn from their mistakes. Have you ever seen how some of them did some really stupid things? You know Hebrews 11 doesn't mention one bit of it? Because you're seeing things through the lens of the cross and the resurrection where God does not remember their sins. He remembers them for good. That's what David did to Saul. Saul persecuted him. Saul wanted to kill him. David wrote a song and goes, Oh, how the mighty have fallen. He remembered him for good. You know, outside of Jesus, you cannot even have a relationship with yourself. You cannot even have a, an authentic relationship with you without Jesus, let alone other people. You can definitely not have a relationship with God outside of Jesus. That's, there's no only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. But, but this, is, this is something because when you look at the... I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you look at these guys, have you ever read this? It's like, this guy's a hero, that guy's a hero. It's like... <laughs> it's, like <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, it's like God is crossing out something, you know. Like, that's what, that's what, that's what mercy does. It's through the lens of who Jesus is and what Jesus has accomplished on behalf of those who hope in him and believe in him and trust in him. So if you believe in Jesus, God has a covenant. This is a good part of the new covenant. The new covenant is a better covenant because it's based on better promises and a better mediator. Right? So the, the old problem with the old covenant wasn't the covenant. <laughs> it was the people. It's like, God says, okay, this is not working. No problem. I will make a covenant with my son. And I will swear on an oath, which is God saying, I swear to God. 
It's like, it's like if God says, I swear to God, on my son. Like, and, and God is not, God does not fail his part of the covenant. So I don't have a covenant with God. God has a covenant with Jesus and Jesus brings me in. So that means that I don't default on the loan because Jesus paid. So that means my car is not getting repossessed. <laughs> Why? Because Jesus paid. That's good news. That's a shame. If you get your car repossessed, that's really painful. But we are not getting repossessed because we have been purchased and, and, and the, this is a better covenant based on better promises with a better mediator. It's really good news. So sometimes we have to tell our face, this is good news. This is happy. This is good. This is eternal life. This is amazing. And anyway, God, this is my last thing, God has not forgotten about you. Just because you live in America doesn't mean you're a bad person. God has not forgot about you. And this is my prayer. That God will perfect that which concerns you and that he will finish what he started in you. And I can say that in confidence because that's the scripture. And that's good news. All right, let's pray. Lord, we ask you to remember us. God, I ask you to remember your people tonight. God, there's situations that need to resolve. There's, there's, there's things, Lord, that need to be brought forward. There's people that need to be brought out. There's wombs that need to open, God. There's wombs that need to open. There's life that needs to come forth, Father. So we let go of our life so that we could find it and lay hold of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.